It is so good to be together. It's so good to worship the Lord together. It's so good to to gather around His Word. Just love His Word. His Word is so rich, so powerful. It's it's who He is. His very nature, His character. It's truth. And um, when we study it and we and we have a look at it. Uh, it just it illuminates and, and, and just helps us understand who we are and what God's called us to and, and what He's doing in and through our lives. Amen. So I, I was uh, throughout the week just trying to think how I could wrap up this uh, Faith and Finances series. And I don't think you can ever wrap up anything because the Word is so rich and it's ongoing all the time. But I was thinking of how I can land it. Let's say that. Um, because there's so much on our hearts at this time what we want to do. And um, I was just stirred again just about why we called it Faith and Finances. And I wanted to encourage us today that um, this wasn't a series on teaching us about finances. Uh, the more I kind of got into it, the more I, I, I was uh, trying to prepare sermons along that road. Um, I just I just felt like the Lord, that's not where, where the Lord was at right now, where He's at, I think, at, in us as a church and worldwide, is He's not wanting us just to know a whole bunch of, of doctrine, a whole bunch of things. I think the church has taught fairly well uh, and certainly uh, fairly constantly um, about finances and all the different things about finances and, and this is what we should be doing and shouldn't be doing and and all those kind of things. But I just felt the Lord, there was something bigger that He wanted to do. So I'm, I want to try and land that this morning. Um, because I believe it, it's critical that we understand faith and finances. Um, not just uh, hearing a whole bunch of stuff, but what does it mean with our finances? Just as we hear anything else in terms of the gospel, uh, in terms of what God is calling us to express or do, um, it all revolves around faith. So... Um, I was uh, just as meditating on that. I just want to read us two scriptures. If you've got your Bibles, or your iPhones, or iPads, or um, uh, anything, um, <laughs> um, or if you've uh, yeah, if you've got a good memory, um, then turn in your memory to Galatians chapter five. Um, Galatians chapter five. I just want to read from uh, verse. Um, we could read from verse five, I suppose. Um, that's a good place to start. Galatians chapter 5. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love, circumcision or uncircumcision, talking about uh, our, our actions and doing and what we've got to do or not do. Um, it doesn't really, that's not what the focus is. That doesn't count for anything. Faith working through love. And then if you just skip um, across to Galatians chapter 6. Let me find it. Let's just, I don't want to read too many verses, um, but let's just, maybe just read verse, let's just read verse uh, 15. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision counts for anything, 
but a new creation. Don't you just love that? He's just trying to tell us something here. He says, neither circumcision or uncircumcision counts for anything but faith working through love. And not circumcision or uncircumcision in those days. What he's trying to explain here is uh, trying to achieve and do a bunch of stuff, trying to perform, trying to earn, trying to now do what's right, do not do what's wrong. All those things, they don't count for anything except faith working through love. And then he says they count for nothing except a new creation, this new creation. So I want us to understand that whatever we teach, whatever the gospel wants to uh, share and impart to us, everything else counts for nothing except this, a new creation and faith working through love. So when we talk about faith and finances, I want us to be encouraged and stirred up today that when we talk about finances, it's not about a whole bunch of things and rules that we've got to now do. It's not about performance. It's not about now what, what we do or don't do, but it's about faith working through love. So I wanted you to ask yourself this simple question. When it comes to finances in the Bible, what would a person and how would a person act and, 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 and operate with their finances if they are love? Because God's created us as a new creature, and I'm going to get to that. But what, what does love look like with your finances? That's the question we need to be asking ourselves. What happens is we get into all the do's and don'ts or the, all the legalities or does the Bible say this, doesn't it say that with our finances? We get into all of that. But how about we just simply understand the Word of God that what we are and who we are is actually love. And that what we do with our finances is what love would do with their finances. Before anything else, let's just maybe understand that. Now, maybe here today you might be going, well, I, I'm not sure. I don't really understand that, Grant. Then let me, let me explain it this way. Every single one of us, when God created Adam, He made him in His image and in His likeness. Adam was created in the image and likeness of God. Adam was not created for Adam. Adam was created in the image and likeness of God. Amen. He even wasn't created for Eve. He was created in the image and likeness of God. He was created for God. He was created for God's glory, for His name. Right? So here's Adam, created in the image and likeness of God. Here's Adam now, walking with God. Here's Adam now, one with God. And how many of us know the Bible tells us God is love? So here's Adam, one with love. Now here we have a beautiful illustration, which we see in, in, in John chapter 15 about the vine and the branches. The vine is connected as, with, as one with the branches, and so love is flowing from the vine to the branches. There is a flow. There is a oneness. God is love. Adam is love. He is operating. He is fulfilled. He is content in love. There was only one thing missing in Adam's life, and that was to be the manifest expression of love. He was love. And God beautifully brings Eve into his life. And I, 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 this is not, we could go into a bi, bi, biology um, lesson very quickly. But, but let me just explain it like this, is that, is that Eve comes along, and, and Eve is not, God did not create Eve from the dust, but he took Eve out of Adam's side. So 
Adam is love, and Eve is now taken out of his side, and, and, and the two are love. And the two are flowing in love, and now they have expression of true love. And now in this expression of true love, they can now begin to multiply love. Love can now expand, love can grow. It's a manifestation, it's a display of the love of God between the two of them and from them, right? But then what happens is, is that Adam and Eve, they get uh, conned into eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they sin, and then suddenly they are separated from love. And when they are separated from love, friends, they no longer have the flow of love. Now they are needing love. They were love. They were ex an expression of love. Now they were cut off from love. Now they were needing love. And you and I and every single person on this planet was born into that. We are, were born out of Adam. And as people being born out of Adam, friends, we always needed love. And that's the challenge of mankind today, always needing love, needing to be accepted, needing to be, feel loved, needing to feel like he is somebody that can be loved. That's why in our world today, the, word, the words, I love you, always work. No matter what circumstance or situation, 99% might be the odd occasion. But just generally, why they always work is everybody wants love. Everybody needs love. And then when you need love, that's when selfishness comes in, and that's when we become about ourselves, trying to get what we need, friends. So man gets all messed up. Now God comes along, Jesus comes along to restore us back, what? To love. Not just to encounter love, but to be love, because that's what we were created to be. We, we were called to be like Jesus, and that's to be love. Friends, so what God is calling us to do is to be love. In whatever situation and circumstance, He wants love to flow into that situation and that circumstance. So when it comes to our finances, He wants us to be the demonstration of love. What does that look like, friends? I'll tell you what it looks like. In, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I think it's around about verse 23, around about there. It says, on the same night... That Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And the same night that you and I are betrayed, friends, we lay down our lives. If you and I get betray uh, betrayed, I wonder what that would look like. Anger, frustration, stick you, how dare you. Get that guy. Imagine our prayer life. Zap him, vengeance, Lord. You know, I was, um, I was uh, had a just a, a horrible incident yesterday. Um, um, we had a situation with our gardener uh, where he was uh, he finished work, whatever, and and I didn't have any change, so I, I wanted to bless the guy. So I gave him more than he normally gets paid. And, um, and then we were just um, about 10 minutes later, just standing at our gate, just saying goodbye to somebody, and um, I just see him walking down the road, and he's sobbing. And, um, and he comes, and he goes, um, he, had, he had 50 bucks in his, in his pocket, and I'd given him a couple hundred rand, and he 
um, was up going out our boom gate, going, going down the road, and he was accosted and he was, it was robbed. And he was just sobbing because he couldn't, he didn't have any money to, to now, here's a good opportunity. <laughs> what does love look like? Man, I said, let's get in the car. We are going after these oaks. I'm going to ride them down. <laughs> we are going to hunt these guys down. I'm going to find them. Because I'm going to tell them what that money looks like put in the wrong place. And there was such anger inside of me, and I was like, I'm, I want to just go, I want to go, I want to go after. And I, I felt like the Holy Spirit just arrest my heart and say, you're missing the point. I was like, oh, I, I think I've got the point. <laughs> no, first and foremost, friends, he needed love. He needed love. He'd been accosted. He'd, been, he'd worked hard a whole day for his wages, only to somebody to come along who had sat on their backside all day. And, uh, and now wanted to come and steal his money. He needed to encounter the love of God. And, and he needed somebody just, just to pray with him and just to encourage him and say, it's going to be all right. He needed somebody to say, listen, you know what? Let me replace the money. Who cares about the money? Let's give, let's sow the money. Let's just say, well, leave it to the Lord. And then those guys needed the love of God as well. See, the love of God can stop you from wanting them to be nailed, but wanting them to be saved. They need Jesus just as much as anybody else, friends, they need his heart. And God's calling us as a church to have his heart, friends. You cannot be dictated to by this is what the Bible says about finances and not have his heart. 1 Corinthians 13 says, friends, you can give away everything, but if you don't have love, it counts for nothing. Friends, I don't want my life to count for nothing. I don't want my finances to count for nothing. I want my finances to count for everything. Amen. So this is this, this love aspect that God is calling us and wanting us to, to understand who we've been called to be, right? And then faith working through love, this faith aspect. Because you see, when you become, nothing counts except this new creature in Christ. When I become a new creature in Christ, that's, I now become love. Now, friends, faith is operating through love. So now I must be a people that are full of faith. Now, this is also where we get challenged with our finances. Because when it comes to our finances, often, friends, we are always asking God for instead of operating from in our finances. That's why the Bible says if you're faithful in the little. Because you must operate from wherever you're at. So you've got the, the widow with the two little mites that she comes and she's operating from a place. She's not sitting in the congregation going, I've only got two mites. I believe, and thank you, Lord, that if a hundred rand note appears in my wallet right now, I will give you ten rand of that hundred. No, she operated from what she had. There was a place, it was a place of faith. She was operating from faith in where she was at, trusting the Lord, and she was operating through a place of love. Because the first place of love is to know that you are loved. Amen. We love because He first loved us. So it's coming from a place of encounter of Him and of who He is and just loving Him. Amen. Ooh. So what I want to I wanna encourage us today is I want to I wanna, I wanna stir our hearts. That I, I really feel in my heart from the word go over this time of finances was that um, this wasn't us. Um, God was wanting to, 
He was wanting to capture our heart. Right from the very beginning, I said, you know what, this is a heart matter. This is a heart matter, church. This is a heart matter. Um, God is, this is a heart matter. God is wanting your, your, my heart. More than it's a technical matter or a, a, a specifics matter, it's a heart matter. God wants to grab hold of our hearts because we were born for this time right now. And God wants to operate and flow through the right heart. Amen. And this is a heart that's yielded to Him. So um, I want us to, let me say it like this. This is not about us trying harder. This is not about us striving or trying to do better. This is about us yielding our hearts to who we are by faith. Not trying to, but being, right? It's about, we've shared this, but it's about becoming who we are. It's about living in the reality of who we are. It's faith. Uh, it's about being who we've been created to be. Uh, it's about Jesus becoming our life. Who He is becomes who we are. It's not about us trying not to do the wrong thing. Want to hear me? Because I'm trying to explain it in terms of finances. It's not about us trying not to do the wrong thing. It's, it's us being who we are. Because you see, when you try not to do something, then it's rooted in self. When you just be who God's called you to be, it's rooted in Him. So if we're trying not to do something, friends, what comes from that, it invokes service. You feel like you owe him something. I have to, I have to do something. It invokes me performing, friends. Uh, it invokes a response instead of it the other way invoking a relationship. When I wake up to be who I am, Friends, that's the faith element that I'm trying to encourage us here today. The faith element of who I am. That's why the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes uh, to convict us of unbelief, friends. Unbelief in who you are. Because it, it, it's a, you know, we talk about, no, no, but I, I, there's stuff in my life, Grant. I want to just, I want to focus and deal with that. Bad idea. It's a bad idea because it's rooted, number one, in you. It's a bad idea because you'll always fail. It's a bad idea because you will constantly be trying to do and to fix versus waking up and believing who you are and the Holy Spirit convicting you of the reality of who you are and beginning to declare that and to live in that. See, I am a generous person. I am a blessed person. I am a rich person. I am a, 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 a prosperous. Those are all we can go and study the Scriptures, but that is who I am. And when I wake up with that, friends, it motivates relationship, not service. It motivates me just to this relationship with God. You are amazing. You love me so much. Thank you for who I am. And then now, friends, when it flows from that, it flows through love. It doesn't flow through a grudging heart or I have to do this. I'm grateful because that's who I am. Who God's made me. 
Amen? I don't know, if you want, you just want some scriptures for what I've been saying very quickly. Um, if you go to 1 John chapter 4, let me just read that. 1 John chapter 4. Let me just read from verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Isn't that interesting? Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Just an amazing thing that if you love, you know God. If you don't love, you don't know God. It doesn't matter. You can, you can go on a mission trip. You can go and you can preach the gospel from this pulpit. You can do a whole bunch of stuff, but the Bible doesn't say. It says, if you love, then you know him. See, he's calling us to know him. Uh, he, he, a couple of scriptures, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. I love this, one of my favorite scriptures. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. To know the love of God. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you might be filled with all His fullness. Uh, Colossians chapter 2. Connor was reading a whole lot of Colossians chapter 2 on uh, Wednesday night, but I just love Colossians 2, uh, reading from verse 9. In Him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, that's Jesus, and you have been filled in Him. You have been filled in Him. To be filled with all the fullness of God. To know God is to love. To know God is to love. God's desire and His heart for us is to know Him. Uh, John chapter 17 says, This is eternal life, that you might know Him. To know Him, friends. The emphasis and the heart of the gospel is to know God. Not know about Him, but to know Him. When you know Him, friends, then you are and become love. And then when you understand the fullness of His love, that surpasses knowledge, friends. So I'll talk about that now. This love, friends, you're filled with all the fullness of God. And if we're filled with all the fullness of God, friends, then that's what people need. They need all the fullness of God. They don't need a whole bunch of laws, requirements. They don't need a whole bunch of things. We don't need to tick boxes. We don't need to, to do a bunch of stuff. We need to be who God's called us to be, and that's filled with His fullness. The fullness of God is now the expression. When people come and encounter me, friends, what they encounter or should encounter is the fullness of God. Why? Because I know Him. And if I know Him, I become love. Friends, it tells us right there. Friends, if you are not an expression of love, you don't know Him. It's very clear in the Bible. So nothing else works except faith working through love. Now, they could say that because the people of God, when they get born again, become love. The problem is they don't believe that. 
And the problem is they now try and earn that or work towards it, friends. And when they work towards it, friends, they will always fail. And at the end of the day, friends, it'll always be a believing for. It'll always be going to a place, friends. And what happens is, unfortunately, when that particular case, the enemy just keeps you chasing the game. Whereas it's faith working through love. So what we have to do is, it's now, it's faith in who we are. So we have to realize, understand the words telling us who we are, and now it's faith in that that I operate from that place of faith. What Christ has said and declared, friends. We have to move away from this place, friends. We have to move away from a place, friends, where we are waiting for the tangible. We're waiting for something that we can feel or see to change so that we can We have to get back to a simple place and a simple reality of the truth of God's Word. That if God says it, I believe it. Amen? The Lord says that I will never leave you nor forsake you. His presence is always with us, friends. Friends, I don't have to sit in any situation and begin to pray and say, God, I need your presence. Please come. I want to feel your presence. Now, I'm not talking about feelings. No, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like you are actually here. I'm not talking about what it seems like. I'm talking about the Word of God. I'm talking about the Word of God declares that, and I believe it. Now my faith exercises that, and I begin to operate like that. I begin to speak and declare like that, friends. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you for your, your protection, your tangible uh, presence that's surrounding me right now, that's moving in me. You see, I'm aligning myself now in faith with who he is, allowing him to now come and to do something miraculous. And this is what I want to kind of get to today. I want to say this, that friends, listening to a sermon, you will get to know about God. So everybody that's on, online right now, everybody who's sitting here, listening to this sermon, you will get to know more about God. But knowing more about God, friends, will never transform your life. Never. What transforms your and my life, friends, what transforms our life is an encounter with His presence. We have to encounter His presence. We have to allow God to take us to that place where He can work and transform us by His truth. Now, how does that happen? You have to position yourself so that He can do that. So what happens is we hear truth. So today we're hearing some truth. I, want to, I was hoping to get to something. We'll see how it goes. But we hear some truth, friends. Now, uh, that truth begins to convict me because my life isn't quite lining up with that. So now, friends, just because the truth has convicted me doesn't mean it, it, it's done anything yet. Just because it's, I'm, I'm under conviction. What I have to do now is, friends, I have to allow that conviction to grip my heart. I have to position myself and put myself in a place where God can begin to work out and work in that conviction. So what we do, what Jesus did, what everybody has to do is they have to draw aside, find a place where you can wrestle with God, wrestle with that conviction, allow it to grip your heart, and then allow God to come and speak and allow His grace to come and take that truth now and that your faith in that truth and make it your reality. That's how transformation happens, friends. 
We allow the grace of God to come. When we, we, we have to uh, get alone with God, we have to allow His presence to come, and His presence is what will transform our lives. And then when He transforms our lives, we are changed to be more like Him. And when we change to be more like Him, friends, we can now be the expression of Him. See, what we've got is far too many people in the church being the expression of what He says, but not being the expression of who He is. We can have thousands of churches, of hundreds of thousands of people, friends, and the community never change. We can have hundreds and thousands of churches, friends, and we can still live in the situation and act and handle the situation like every other unbeliever. When we're facing the difficulties and the challenges, friends, if my life isn't transformed, I will handle it exactly the same way as any other person on this planet would. And that is not the gospel, friends, and that's not what Jesus died and paid for. He wants us to be different, completely different, friends. We are so different to the Adam bloodline. We're in the second Adam. We're in Jesus' bloodline. It is so different. Our mindsets, our thinking, the way we operate, friends, we are love. In Adam's bloodline, he was in need of love. And because he's in need of love, he was selfish. It's self-centered. It's about me. Whereas when we are when we are love, friends, we are completely opposite. It's not about it. What is love? Love, friends, keeps no record of wrongs. Love lays down its life, friends. Love is not selfish. It's, it's not about its own. This is, it's so different, love. So here we are now, this expression, friends. But if we're not transformed by the word, we'll just get filled with knowledge. And that's why we can't just sit and listen to sermons, friends. There are thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people that sit every single Sunday and know the sermons, friends. And they can regurgitate back uh, plenty of the Scripture, probably better than I can, friends. But the world's not looking for a regurgitation. The The world is looking for life and power. It's looking for a life transformed. Amen. You know, there's a beautiful analogy in the Bible about the storm. You know about the wise man and the foolish man? How many know in the Bible that both went through the storm? So you know what the religious mind will do? The religious mind will go, yeah, well, the reason why you're going through that storm is because you opened the door. Or shut the door. Friends, that wise man did not open the door to nicks. Friends, what that wise man had to go through a storm. You and I go through storms. What Jesus has called us to is our response to the storm. We're not supposed to be a recipient of the storm. We're supposed to be a response to the storm. The wise man took the word of God and he acted upon it and built his house upon the rock. And when the storms come, friends, boom, unshakable. Friends, when the storms come, and they will come to the wise and to the foolish, they come. We live in this world. We're not of this world, but we live in this world. Things come, friends. Trials, tribulations. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Why? Because he said, I've overcome this world. That's who you are now. You're the overcomer. The trials are coming me, but I'm standing strong. It's my response to the storm that Jesus is interested in, not just uh, the storm changing who I am, my circumstances constantly dictating whether I'm feeling good today or feeling bad today. I can feel good every single day because my faith is operating through love. Amen. 
It's my identity. Adam lost his identity of love on the, in the garden, friends. And God restored back our identity of who we are. Now we have this identity. Friends, what happens is we go into the quiet place with God, and then we sit there and we go, oh, Lord, it's me again. I'm so sorry I mucked up again. I did that same thing again. I know what I deserve, and I know, I don't know, I'm an idiot. I know I do the same thing over again. And, I, I, you know, you just, I don't know, help me, please. Uh, you know, just, Lord, I'm, I'm desperately, I, I know that if you can just take this thing away, um, I know that I'll be a far better Christian and I will really be such a nice person. I'll be so kind. And just come and just help me because I, it's, it's, I know I'm bad. I know I'm, I've sinned. I, I know it's just, friends, and then we call that confession. I call it an absolutely crazy, messed up uh, identity problem. Friends, you're not, not going to come out of there, friends, having been transformed. You're going to come out of there worse than you went in because you're going to have an even worse identity crisis. And you can, all you can do is concentrate on sin and your problems. When we go before God and we go into that closet space, friends, what we need to do is present ourselves to Him and declare and speak how God sees us. I want to thank you. And you know what? Also, let me throw this out. This will stir the pot, but it doesn't matter. Let me just say this. What we often do is, and I'm, this is take it, leave it. What we often do is we come there and say, please, God, forgive me. And when we ask for forgiveness, friends, then we always challenge whether we've been forgiven. How about you just do a slight change and shift in, your, in, your, in the way you look at things and say things and simply say this, I thank you, God, that I am forgiven. Friends, that is just as much a confession and taking responsibility as the other way. The other way, friends, though, is it opens the door for incredible negativeness. Because it does. We're always wondering, has God forgiven me? I hope he has. Oh, it was really bad this time. You know what? I said yesterday that I would never do that again. And I did it. Ooh, I wonder. How about we come before the Lord and just simply say, thank you. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you that you have made me righteous. Thank you that I'm clean. I'm washed in the blood. Thank you that I'm pure. Thank you that I can stand before you with such confidence and such boldness. That's who we are actually, friends. That's how God sees us. Now, when we come to that place, we're operating what? In faith. Amen. Let me, let me use this illustration. How many know that clay will remain clay unless it's put in the potter's hand? How many know that clay cannot shape itself? If it can, please, I want to go to your pottery class. I want to see this. It's got to be phenomenal. But clay, friends, cannot shape itself. What happened with Adam, friends, in the very beginning in the garden is that God created him with a purpose and a plan. And it was beautiful and he was love. And friends, when he got separated from love, friends, then the clay went to form. And eventually returned back to clay. And the problem with the church, friends, today is, unfortunately, a lot of the clay still is only form. Or it's just clay. But when you put clay in the hands of the Lord, He can restore back its purpose, what it's designed to do, friends. Now, it's no longer just form. Because, you see, form has no power. And guess what? Form, you get tired. You know, I use a cricketing term. I know it's Women's Day, but let's just use a cricketing term. A lot of the time they talk about um, uh, 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 people in sport 
and say it's cricketer or any sport, I guess, and they go, oh, the guy's form's dipped. Because you, 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 you can't just keep up the form. Eventually, you, you know, you lose your form. Because we were never meant to be just form. Form of godliness. We are new creatures in Christ. We are not a form. We have a purpose and a destiny and a plan God has for every single one of us. Amen? So what, what is the responsibility of the clay? The responsibility of the clay is to stay pliable and moist, ready to be used and molded by the potter. And what is that? That's simply going and positioning yourself before the Lord in a place of faith. That's what our responsibility is. And then the potter shapes us. We're just vessels, friends, with a purpose. Isn't that beautiful? How God shapes us and whatever He does, it's up to the Lord how He wants to do that so that I can be used by Him. Amen. Am I making sense? I hope I am. I forget who said this, but they said, faith is like an eyeball. It sees out, but it cannot see itself. I love that. It sees out, but it can't see itself. See, faith. See, faith is not looking inward. Faith is an expression. Faith is now. Now faith is. It's not yesterday. It's not the future. It's now. It has substance. Faith is a substance. It, it brings some reality and substance, and it's the evidence of things not seen. It, there's evidence, friends. You know, like you look at, you, you say, oh, the wind's blowing. How do you know the wind's blowing? Because there's evidence. I can see the leaves are flying. The trees are going. That's not the wind, but it's evidence, right? So faith is substance and evidence now. So when we begin to operate, friends, it's about a now thing. It's not about a future thing. Oh, God, when you do this and when you do that, oh, God, help me to be this or to be that. that you're never going to operate in faith. But faith is a now thing, a substance to it. I declare what the Word of God says. I believe it, friends. A lot of the time, what our default is in the church, and I know another controversial area, friends, but let me just say this. A lot of our default in the church is ministry. Let's come up, let's lay hands. But friends, the Bible doesn't say if you, you will know ministry and ministry will set you free. The Bible says that you will know truth and truth will set you free. A lot of the time, friends, all we need to do is to know truth. And then once we encounter truth and we know truth, know truth, Adam and Eve. Adam, knew Eve. Sorry, a lot of biological lesson going on. Adam, knew Eve, friends. That means when you know somebody, friends, your DNA has to come in and connect. And that DNA doesn't change, even though it might look like different. It doesn't change the DNA. The truth comes in, and it might look and be expressed differently through all the beautiful flavors that God has in his family. But the DNA never changes. That was biological. Probably too much, yeah. Oh, I want to land with.
I just said, yeah, which I've got it so underlined, it's what really touched my life. He said, why do circumstances have to change for you to change? So powerful. Why do circumstances have to change for me to change? Then I just go before him into my space. You see, when you go before the Lord in faith, and you're in that space now of that time with him, and now you're not, you haven't spewed out all your sin and how bad you are, whatever, and God help me, and I'm a mess, and all of that, but you've, you've begun to declare who you are in Christ. You begin to position yourself for an answer. You become able to hear, because you see faith. Without faith, you can't please God. When you step into that place of faith, you open yourself to hear. Now you stay answer conscious in that place. In the other place, you just you stay negative conscious, actually. And then you just need a miracle, just God to break in somehow and do a miracle. Where the, in this other place, you get to experience who God is and you get to know Him. See, because when you've wrestled with that truth, and now you've allowed Him to begin to minister to you, that truth now becomes a reality in your life. I get to know that truth. I get to know Him and who He is in that truth. Amen? I'm going to land because I think time. Um, but I, I, I wanted to use um, and, uh, just two scriptures quickly in terms of finances and just help us a little bit. But let me also just say this. One of my favorite stories in the Bible, um, which I get, no matter what I preach, I, can, I bring it in somewhere because it's really uh, it's my favorite. But it's uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I just I love that story because it's so, so rich in that story. And it's like what um, happened is right. The, 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 the Nebuchadnezzar, the king says, you guys, you know, you have to bow. If you don't bow, you're going to um, get cooked. And then... Um, and then uh, they, they, they're not going to bow. So he, he heats up the fire seven times. Real <laughs> intimidates us with a huge fire that, you know. And it's like for me, um, what happens with the enemy is that uh, we know truth. And then um, now he says, well, um, if you're going to try and stand on that word, I'm just going to heat the fire up seven times. And uh, he's just trying to get us to go, no, no, sorry. And then a lot of the church, can, when that happens, they move into that place of, please, dear God, take away the fire. Did you notice that in that story, they never took the fire away? Never even gave the fire any honor. Because the fire is irrelevant when it comes to the truth. Jesus comes and steps into the fire with them, and they don't even smell of smoke. Can you see the difference here? Can you see that, that this journey that we're on here isn't so much about getting to heaven? It isn't so much that I prayed this prayer so that I could get saved, so that one day I can go to heaven. I, I think we missed the gospel and the understanding here is that, no, God wanted to get heaven inside of us, and then we're going to live in this world, and there's going to be fire. There's going to be storms. But, friends, we do not operate like the rest of the world, and those who don't know Christ, we operate in love. We become the demonstration of Christ in the midst of all of that. And when we become that, friends, everybody then eventually has to acknowledge, as in the, the story 
with Nebuchadnezzar. Eventually, Nebuchadnezzar goes, hey, your, your God is true. So God wants us to be that reflection. He wants us to be who He's called us to be as His sons and daughters. Amen. So now, there's two scriptures in the Bible that I wanted to just touch on. I'll just do it very quickly. How are we doing? We're good. And let me, let me touch on this quickly. It's, it's found in, in Mark chapter 12, verse 13, I think, to 17. Uh, you'll also find it in Luke 20, and I think you'll find it in, in Matthew 22 as well. Same story, three different Gospels. Um, it's a beautiful story about the Pharisees and the... Um, Sadducees, no, I think there's Pharisees and the Herodians. Um, and they were trying to trick Jesus. So they thought, let me see if I can try and sneak in there. And what happens when people want to try and trick us and want to trip us up, friends, what they often do is use flattery. Again, because they're just testing to see if you actually are love. Or whether you're actually about yourself. Because that's not love. So they start with this beautiful flattery, and they say to Jesus, oh, you know, we know that you don't care about what anybody else says, but you just speak the truth, and, uh, and you don't worry about your appearance or anything like that. You just, you, you're true. You know, all flattery, like, ooh, ooh, And then they said, no, and then um, should we pay taxes to Caesar, or shouldn't we pay taxes to Caesar? Now, you know that's a trick question. And uh, Jesus looked at them and knew, saw their hypocrisy, saw they were just trying to trick him. So they asked, he asked them to, Bring me a denarius. So they bring him a denarius, and they, um, he looks at the denarius, and he says, okay, whose face is on there? So then they go, oh, no, that's Caesar's. So he says, render to Caesar what is Caesar's, and render to God what is God's. Now, again, we can be religious, and we can sit, and um, we can end up going, oh, but everything belongs to God, brother. Well, According to the Word, it says to me something slightly different. Although everything does belong to the Lord, it says to me, render to Caesar what is Caesar's, which simply means that, unfortunately, give the taxman what is due to the taxman. And then it says, give to God what is due to God. So it appears to me that although everything does belong to the Lord, as the people and children of God, we should be honoring the tax man. Some of, it, of our finances is going to go to the tax man. And some of it belongs to the Lord. So whatever your theology is, whatever you, you uh, want to believe or don't believe, just know this, that your finances belong to the Lord. And it will be good to know what belongs to the Lord. And I would find out what belongs to the Lord, and I'd make sure I give him what belongs to him. Because he's not the kind of guy that I want to actually just be stealing from. So that scripture just stirs up my heart. Because I asked the simple question. Is if that's what the Bible is telling me. And that's what Jesus said. And he's called me to be like him. And to be love. What would love look like in that circumstance? Would love be sitting there going. Well I'm going to make sure that very little belongs. And I'm going to try and make sure that most of it belongs to me. And very little. Would love be doing that friends? That's why we've got to, when we look at the Word of God, apply the Word of God through the lenses of love. I hope I'm getting this across strongly this morning. This lens that we look at things is vital, vital. And that's why nothing else counts except faith working through love. 
So now my faith, I can put my faith in that truth. That truth says that render to Caesar what is Caesar's, render to God what is God's. So I know that I get entrusted with finances. I make sure that in my finances I've paid what belongs to the government. Make sure that I've paid that, friends. And then the rest of my finances, I am asking the Lord what belongs to Him. And we can go to Malachi. We have gone, and it says there, will a man rob God? Uh, how we've robbed him, robbed him of tithes and offerings. So there is a tithing and offering that belongs to God and which we just need to ask and we need to make sure that we give it to him. And it's not a law and not a requirement and not a regulation. What it is, friends, is love. That's what Jesus said, and he is love. Amen. Then you look at Matthew chapter 23. It's a beautiful uh, scripture. Matthew 23, um, it's talking about uh, the... the um, all the woes of the, the scribes and Pharisees, and the Pharisaical kind of understanding, uh, which is, by the way, complete opposite to love. The legalistic and religious mind, friends, completely opposite to love. And so Jesus is now dealing with the legalistic mind, the Pharisees, and he is saying, woe to you, Pharisees, and woe to you. And woe, and then he goes, gets down, and, and he, he um, says, Woe to you guys, you Pharisees, because you guys are so diligent with your tithe that you tithe even of your herbs. Imagine that. He says, You tithe from your herbs, your mint, and your dill, and your cumin. You just, you, you, you're like, Oh, I've got seven herbs now. I need to, oh, seven's a bad number. Um, mathematics, it's freaking my brain out. Okay, say so 10. I've got 10 herbs, and I'm going to take this one herb, and I'm going to give that to God. But he says, but you've neglected the weightier matters. And he talks about justice and mercy and faithfulness. But it's interesting that the next verse, Jesus says this. He says, you ought to have done the others and not neglected these. Isn't that a great opportunity for him to say, don't worry about tithing. You just... These are the, the most important ones. In, a, in actual fact, what Jesus is saying is that they're all important. You, you, you neglected these ones who are weightier. So what's telling me is that there's weightier matters than just simply tithing. But he was saying they were so diligent with their tithes, he had opportunity there to say, you guys, don't worry about that. Concentrate on this. He didn't. He said you ought to have done all, all of it. He was acknowledging what they were doing, friends, even their diligence and their little, he, he didn't run that down. What he did say is that you, you, you neglected weightier stuff. Amen. I want to encourage the church as we kind of try and land this uh, series or however, I want to encourage the church that there are such weightier matters in the kingdom of God than our finances. And I really do believe that as the people of God, this is something we should just settle on our hearts. And the way we settle it, friends, is not getting into a debate and a discussion and a big analogy of the Word of God and what's right or wrong is this or the other. The way we settle this, friends, is to become love. That's who God's called us to be anyway. So begin to operate from that place of love, friends, and then let your faith now operate through that love. And the way we operate in faith, friends, is now. Who God has called us to be, friends. The Bible, Jesus said, I became poor so that you could become rich. I am rich already in Christ because he died and he, and he, he settled that on my heart. Right? So who I am right now is rich, friends. So I can come from that place of richness. So I, I won't let 
Finances dictate who I am. Versus praying that I get rich so that finances can, I can now do something with my finances. That's allowing finances to speak instead of allowing God to speak. Amen. Don't allow things outside of you to speak who you are. But listen to the word of God and come from that place of who God says you are and who, who, how he sees you. Amen. So faith now operating through love. So when it comes to my finances, I operate in faith through love. So I listen to the Lord, not an outside voice, but I simply say, God, what are you saying? And then God says to me, well, I want you to give this amount of money to that person. Oh, no, but I don't have that money. Now, I'm operating in faith in who he is. I hope I'm, I'm, tr I'm try making sure, I'm trying to get us to understand this. It's... It's so different to the way we normally operate. Because you see, if God asks you to do something, God provides for you to do that, right? We don't go into debt to do whatever God's called us to, friends. The Bible says, oh, no man, anything except love. Uh, the key thing here is love, friends. In everything that we do, if you catch anything as you walk out of here today, is love. It's faith operating through love. When it comes to our finances, friends, God wants us to operate through love. And if, we, if you operate through love, you will never, ever fail. Never fail. Because love never fails. It also sounds like a scripture to me. Amen. So I want to pray for us as a church. I want to pray for all those that are listening online too this morning that we would have a shift of heart, a shift of, of, a shift of understanding. Say that carefully. <laughs> that, we, that we would, that we would from, from today, not just even from tomorrow, that sounds like Pharaoh, uh, let's make sure the plagues leave from tomorrow. No, how about from now? Let's, let's pray that all the lies of the enemy would leave now, that he has tried to speak over our lives, and that from this moment on we would dare to believe the truth, and we would take that truth, friends, where if, even if we battle with it, See, this is where it becomes real, is if the Bible says something and I'm struggling with it, but it's the Bible, so it's truth, I have to take that to that place, that personal place with God. I have to take that conviction that's convicting me now. I'm, I'm unsettled. It's like what our Grant said this morning, now this thing is niggling me. I'm on, I've got to take it to that place before the Lord and, and, and allow His presence to come. Allow him to ignite that thing because I, I, I don't want it just to be something that I will conform to. I want it to be something that I'm transformed, changed by. Because I want to become that thing. Amen? And that's the challenge in the church. The challenge in the church today, friends, is a lot of people are, are not being transformed by the word. And can I, 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 let me just say this, encouragement to you. Here's the danger, friends. Here's the danger. The more and more you do not allow the Holy Spirit to transform your life, the more and more knowledge that you get about the Word of God and what the Word of God says, if you don't allow it to transform your life, it will turn around and bite your backside. And I'll tell you why. Because you will get convicted that you are not lining up with the Word. 
So over time, friends, what happens is we start to get convicted. We start to actually get condemned by the Word itself, even though the Word is not doing that. We do. We start to get, we feel this weight because we're not allowing it to transform our lives and change us. Now it's just a heavy weight on our lives, which is, it's not, but we allow it to happen. Friends, and when that happens, we get into dangerous ground. What happens when we get into dangerous ground is we've got to try and make up some kind of stuff to try and help us deal with that. So what happens, what we eventually do do is we start to do-do. We start to have some do-do. We do. We, we, what we eventually do is that we will start, number one, being the teacher and the student. We will start to write the exam and we will mark it ourselves. We start to analyze ourselves and tell us how good we are. No, listen, I'm fantastic. I'm really good. Yeah, well, but you're not the teacher. And you set your own exam. That's why, why I say when it comes to the male and female thing, it's just, it's never going to work because at the end of the day, it's the male that set the exam. And he mocks it. That's why I love that it's Woman's Day, but I encourage every single person here, every day is Woman's Day. Just so you know. Because the Bible doesn't take sides. We acknowledge women every single day. They are equal, as powerful as any other gender, <laughs> any other male. Amen. When you have Father's Day, so let's honor fathers, but what, what happens to the mothers or, we, or, the, or, the, or the woman? The woman, you can just be dishonored today. Just for the father's turn, or the, the husband's turn, or the father's day, or mother's day. No, all the moms, we're going to honor them. Oh, I'm, I'm not a mom. Well, you be quiet. Just you, nothing. You just for today, it's the moms, and it's the. Where do we get this stuff? It's sides. There's no sides in the kingdom, friends. There's neither male nor female. Or why do I get onto this? There's no Jew or Greek, friends. There's not sides here. This, there's only love. We love everybody. I want to honor everybody, friends. I don't want to just take today out. Oh, what woman's day? Yeah, Jane's a bunch of flowers. Tomorrow, you're on your own. <laughs> no, I want, I want to honor her every single day as a woman. She honor me as a man because there's no male or female. I'm honoring God in love. Amen. <laughs> but I do honor the moms and have a beautiful Mother's Day. I'm just, I don't know why I'm going there. But the reality is, friends, sometimes we do stuff in church life. Because it's worldly. And we shouldn't be worldly, friends. I don't have to pick a side. Oh, I could go somewhere. No. I'm... Love does not pick sides. Love does not honor one above another. Love loves. Everybody is unique and beautiful in God's eyes. Everybody needs to experience the love of God. And uh, we are called to be those people. Those are the vessels that we've been called to. And this little frail vessel here carries this incredible treasure. Love. So beautiful. And Jesus demonstrated it. We can go to the Bible, give a look, and see what love looks like. So I can actually have something that I can compare to, actually, and go, oh, that's what love looks like. That's why I said, can you imagine? I, 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 know, I don't know if it got the, the weighty response that it should have got is in the 1 Corinthians 11. On the night that he was betrayed, the very night, the very moment that he is sold out and betrayed, 
he lays down his life. Not like, you know, when I worked through some things, got my, my act together, and two weeks later, I was ready. Okay, now I, can, now I can do it. The night that he has betrayed, that's love, man. The very night that you betray me, I, I lay down my life. Shall we stand? I want to encourage us today. I really do believe that what Connor was sharing on Wednesday night in the next couple of weeks is a weightiness of his presence that is coming upon his people, upon his church. Um, and I do believe, friends, it doesn't just automatically happen. You have to position yourself. And uh, I want to encourage us as a church to position ourselves. We were born for such a time as this. God has been positioning us as a church for years to be able to be the love of God. And uh, friends, as I started this morning and I end with, it's a heart matter. Finances have always been a heart matter. And you go, well, why did you preach all that? Because finances is a heart matter. And uh, how we operate in our finances tells a lot about where our heart is. And who we are. That's why the Bible says, how can you look at a man in need and tell him, hey, I'll go away and I'll pray for you. Love looks like something. Lord, I just want to pray for every single one of us here today in the room and also out I ask Holy Spirit that you would come right now and you'd begin to take that which I've shared this morning, that which is of you, and you begin to stir our hearts. The Bible says actually when we gather together to stir one another Spirit, you begin to stir our hearts. Because, Lord, you've called us such a time as this to be love. So I ask that you would come, Holy Spirit, begin to make the adjustments. And I pray as whatever I've shared today, that if it's convicted lives and hearts, then I ask right now, Lord God, that we wouldn't just leave that. We wouldn't walk away this morning from this meeting having been convicted, but just leaving it at that because then it won't transform us. But I pray, Lord God, that we would not let that thing go. But Lord, if we felt conviction, God, you want us to be transformed and changed. So I ask that you would come now by your Holy Spirit and you begin to work that in our hearts and lives, that that truth begin to set us free, that that truth, Lord God, would change us because, Lord, we don't just want to say that we want to become that truth Lord we just take a moment right now so busy in this world that we just want to rush off and thank you done that no we take a moment out now just to allow you Holy Spirit to speak into our hearts and lives right now
Nothing else matters but faith working through love. Lord, you made us a new creation, completely new. You didn't adapt. You didn't fix. You made us completely new. So I pray that even right now, that revelation would sink into every single heart. They would stop analyzing and looking at themselves through worldly eyes or through the eyes of their experience, their past. But they, they begin to see their, themselves through the eyes of God and how God sees them, that they are a new creation in Christ. they don't even have to pray this morning and say, Lord, help me to become love. They have to believe that they are love. If they're born again, they have love inside of them. And they have to allow the Holy Spirit to take unbelief out of their thinking, out of their lives, so that they can believe so that they can act in faith in who they are. Because right now, Lord God, you don't have a plan B. You just have a plan A. And that's simply this, that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known through the church, through you and I. It's not a building, that's through people. And the wisdom of God is love. It's love that leads to repentance, friends. It's not intelligence or fancy thinking. It's love. So will you come right now, Holy Spirit, and do a work that I cannot do, only you can do in every one of our hearts, that as we step out from this place today, not even from tomorrow, but today, Lord. We would be a demonstration of love, Lord. We would exercise our faith, which is a confidence and a trust in your word and who you are, and be who you've called us to be. A blessing. ask that you would do this by your Holy Spirit. I ask Holy Spirit that you would seal the work. I ask that these seeds would not be robbed from our lives, but they have gone into good soil and that they would bring forth an incredible harvest. And in the days ahead, Lord God, we would see such a, a humble people, such a generous people, such a loving people, such a people that are so full of peace and so full of joy. The word says in your presence is fullness of joy. So if we're a people about your presence, then we should have fullness of joy. So let's begin to declare that. Let's begin to every single day and every moment tell our faces. We should smile a lot more as the people of God.
Because that's who we are. We are smilers. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, there's anybody here today or anybody who's out there right now online who has any sickness, disease, or infirmity right now. I speak to you. If that's you, lift up your hand right now by faith. By Jesus' stripes, we were healed. That is a work that was done on the cross. It is a completed and finished work of the cross. And you can believe that truth and you can appropriate it right now. Because I want to pray for you right now. I want to say right now, thank you, Lord God, for healing. And so I want to speak now to every single ache and pain, every sickness, disease, and infirmity. And I want to tell you right now that you have to bow to the name of Jesus. That you have to loose every single person. You cannot stay gripped to them. You have to loose and you have to get out of their body in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You will bow and you will leave right now. Every single sickness, disease, or infirmity. Thank you, Lord God, right now. Is gone from every single person that has lifted up their hand, that has positioned their heart right now to align itself with the truth of God's Word. And even if they haven't, Lord God, I declare healing to their bodies even in the name of Jesus. I thank you that because you love us, Lord God. And I thank you, Father, that we've got enough people here in this room standing in faith and declaring and speaking right now that every person gets healed in Jesus' name. Every single person. Thank you for healing, Lord God. Not just healing of bodies. I also thank you for a healing. I just sense it right now. A healing of, of a heart, Lord, a broken heart, Lord. Just as I shared that illustration of the gardener yesterday who had a broken heart from people that came in and violated his privacy and took and robbed him, Lord God. I just sent someone out there as a broken heart. And I want to tell you right now that God loves you just as you are. And he came for the brokenhearted. He came to set the brokenhearted free, whatever has caused that brokenness. I just break it off you right now in the name of Jesus. I break off every lie that the enemy has tried to tell you. Every lie that you might have believed about your life or about that circumstance or situation or whatever caused that right now, I just lift it off you right now in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Father, that you flood them right now with truth. The truth that they are loved by you, that they are your treasure, the apple of your eye, that they are your child, your daughter, that you love them dearly. Where they have to, or if they have to forgive themselves, I thank you, Lord, that they just let that thing go and forgive. Even themselves, I feel like that in my heart right now. Thank you, Lord God, that they put their life back into your hands. And say, won't you come? You are the one who restores and heals and strengthens. Won't you do that for that person, Lord, right now? Won't you do that for every single one of us, Lord God? Won't you just come?
Won't you come, Holy Spirit? Restore unto us the joy of our salvation. This gospel is good tidings of great joy. It's a great gospel because it's Jesus. It's about Him and His presence. It's not about us. Won't you restore that understanding, Lord? The finished work of what you did for every single one of us, what you paid for. I pray today, don't sell yourself out cheap because actually you're not for sale. You've been redeemed and bought with a price. You belong to the Lord. And you are valuable and precious. And He wants to reinstill in your life your value of who you are. He didn't just die because you were a sinner. He died because you were a lost son and daughter. And He wants to restore back your value and who you are. Yes, you did sin and that's why He needed to come. But you don't pay a huge price for something of little value. The price that God paid, which was everything, His Son, reminds us that we are very, very valuable and precious to the Lord. I pray today He would remind you of how valuable you are. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you that you seal that Holy Spirit in every heart today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Anything you want to share? Are you good? Thank you, Lord. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Absolute joy and a privilege always to have the online family uh, joining us. It's great to have you guys in person as well here this morning. And um, may you have an awesome day and an incredible week. And may you be the love of God to every single person that you come in contact with. Amen.